0: Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Tuesday, August 8th, and we start with local news. On August 5th, Spring Hill Fire Department responded to the Harvest Point subdivision for a reported odor of gas in a dwelling. Investigation found an active leak inside the home. Fire crews ventilated the structure using positive pressure fans and monitored the gas levels inside the home, along with Atmos, until it was safe for the homeowner to return inside. No injuries were reported. On Thursday, August 3rd, the Spring Hill Fire Administration was alerted to a possible telephone scam in which businesses were being solicited to provide financial sponsorships to the Spring Hill Fire Department for ongoing fire prevention activities. The Spring Hill Fire Department confirmed on Friday, August 4th, after speaking with Paul Bolander of Community Fire Stoppers in New Windsor, Illinois, that he was in fact fraudulently representing himself as a member of the Spring Hill Fire Department and was actively working to defraud businesses by having them purchase sponsorships between $500 and $1,250 for fire prevention activities. Spring Hill Fire Chief Greg Temple stated, Municipal fire departments rarely, if ever, seek large financial sponsorships from businesses through third parties, and if a business has questions about the contribution, they should contact the fire department directly before issuing any payments. Anyone having been impacted by community fire stoppers or Paul Bolander is encouraged to contact their local law enforcement agency and file a police report for fraud and theft. At Riverside Elementary School, not only did children experience first day of school jitters and excitement, new principal Brecken Pinnell also beamed as she began her new role leading the school on Monday. As 415 school children in first through fourth grade settled into their new classrooms, Pinnell began the school day with a pledge of allegiance, positive words of encouragement, and a joke. What do you call the cleaners of the ocean? A mermaid, she said. After some chuckles, Pinnell assured students, I love you. I believe in you. After serving as the middle school coordinator for Murray County Public Schools, Pennell, also a veteran school administrator, said she's glad to be back in the swing, experiencing the buzz of a school building. I love it. I love being a part of a culture of a school, she said. Sharing in that culture and being a part of that team is a good feeling, she said. As she waved to parents and welcomed children, she said her number one goal is to make students feel welcomed. It's important for us to be welcoming, helpful, and to make sure everyone feels comfortable, excited, and safe, she said. It's also a time of establishing routines and expectations. Murray County Public Schools Superintendent Lisa Ventura visited Riverside to help welcome parents and students ahead of the 8 a.m. bell. Giving out hugs and reassurance, Ventura comforted an apprehensive child as he entered the building. Don't worry, she said. We will take care of you. And I like your dinosaur t-shirt, she said. Ventura said she is breathing a sigh of relief that all but 21 open teaching positions have been filled and all bus routes are accounted for, equipped with a driver or a temporary driver. This time last year, the district had 100 open positions on the first day of school and not enough bus drivers. Last year, classes were combined to combat a teacher shortage and bus rides were longer for students due to drivers taking on multiple routes. It feels great, Ventura said. I feel much more confident starting this year with the pieces in place compared to last year. We are ready. I am excited about our staff, she said. Ventura said she is also encouraged after an intense summer tackling third grade retention guidelines, which went into effect per state law following 2021 legislation by the Tennessee General Assembly. The district began with 50% of third graders not reaching proficiency on TCAP, which resulted in a mad dash to enroll at-risk third-grade students into summer school intervention camp STAR, which stood for super thinkers and readers, to either reach proficiency at the end of the summer, commit to a fourth-grade tutor, or be retained in some circumstances. Out of all third graders who endured a rigorous vetting process in summer program, 97.7% of 1,000 third grade students were promoted to fourth grade. Ventura said her motto for this year is, don't look back, push forward. We have looked back at the data, and now it's push forward. I'm most excited about our new phonics program and new career exploration teachers in middle schools. Those are the two newest additions to our school day that I am looking forward to. Hopefully it will bring us to the next level, she said. A federal grand jury returned a five-count indictment on July 24th, charging two Lawrence County Sheriff's deputies with federal civil rights and obstruction offenses stemming from their use of unlawful force during the arrest of a 61-year-old man. Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, U.S. Attorney Henry C. Leventis of the Middle District of Tennessee, Assistant Director Luis Casada of the FBI's Criminal Investigation Division, and FBI Special Agent in Charge Douglas Podesta made the announcement. According to the indictment, on October 5th of 2020 in Giles County, Sheriff's Investigator Zach Ferguson and Deputy Eric Caperton threw a victim to the ground, struck him multiple times in the head, and caused his head to strike the pavement. As a result of these actions, the victim suffered serious injuries. The indictment further alleges that the defendants attempted to cover up their misconduct by filing false reports. Finally, the indictment alleges the defendants obstructed justice by falsely telling criminal investigators that the victim's upper body never touched the ground during the arrest and falsely claiming that the victim's injuries were caused by punches that Ferguson delivered while the arrestee was still inside his van. If convicted, the defendants face a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison for the excessive force charge and up to 20 years in prison for the obstruction charges. A federal district court judge would determine any sentence after considering the U.S. sentencing guidelines and other statutory factors. The FBI Memphis Field Office investigated the case. Assistant U.S. Attorney Roscoe Dean and Special Litigation Counsel Michael J. Songer of the Civil Rights Division's criminal section are prosecuting the case. Columbia City Council revisited plans for a project to reflect the city's presidential history while updating a piece of land into a new landmark for citizens to visit. The Pokes at Preservation Park project was first introduced in 2019, where a lease agreement was approved by the Murray County Commission. The project, however, was delayed the following year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It has since been scheduled to start sometime in 2023. The idea was to take Preservation Park, located at the intersection of West 7th and North High Streets, across from the James K. Polk Home and Museum, and give it an upgrade, with a little more to commemorate its location in regard to Columbia's history. This includes replacing the park's benches and fountain, redoing the brickwork, as well as memorializing James and Sarah Polk as bronze statues, commissioned to local sculptor Jennifer Grisham. We are looking to update that corner, take out the old brick, and put in some new brick along the wall surrounding the park, replacing the fountain as well as landscaping and installing city historical markers, City Manager Tony Massey said. Preservation Park was originally donated to the city in 1995 by the Murray County Historical Society. The council will vote later this month on the project's lease agreement, which carries a term of 25 years at a cost of $1 per year. That wall will have a veneer stone added to the face of it on both sides as well as a capstone, Public Works Director Jeff DeWire said. We plan to incorporate that same veneer stone with what's currently under the existing fountain because now what you see is just raw concrete that's exposed along the perimeter of the circular wall. Everything will match and tie in nicely, he said. DeWire added that the stone will be similar to the fountain located at the intersection of North Main and Sixth Streets, Tourism and marketing director Kelly Murphy said she hopes the project will move swiftly and that an opening, official opening can be organized later this year to commemorate the park. We are hoping to have the bronze statues completed so that we can have some sort of opening at the first part of November around President Polk's birthday, Murphy said. Columbia State Community College is pleased to announce the artist roster for the 2023-2024 first Farmers Performance Series season. We're excited to share the stellar lineup of talent for the 2023 24 Performance Series, said Dr. Janet F. Smith, Columbia State president. We've crafted this season with you in mind, and we cannot wait to present these world-class musicians and artists to you and our community, she said. This season's performance series is a fabulous mixture of different genres, all with the goal of providing family-friendly opportunities to explore the arts, said Bethany Lay, Columbia State Vice President for Advancement and Executive Director of the Columbia State Foundation. Opening night, October 19th, features The Great Dubois. The Great Dubois's variety show is a fast-paced, hilarious performance for all ages. It showcases incredible feats of juggling, hula-hoops, unicycle, aerial, circus stunts, contortion, magic, and audience interaction. Simply put, this is the most unique two-person variety show you will ever see, and bring the family for a fun night. On November 9th, we'll showcase the Duop Project. The Duop wop Project, the dynamic celebration of a beloved music genre, features five engaging stars from smash Broadway hits and their all-star band. Bring the family and get ready to experience a fantastic evening of the greatest music in American pop history. On December 14th, Jake Shimabukuro will Ring in the Holidays. Jake Shimabukuro, ukulele master and jolly ambassador of Aloha and his talented team will share a musical gift for all this holiday season. Bring the family and join in the celebration. Performing February 15th is Steep Canyon Rangers. The Steep Canyon Rangers are big players in the bluegrass and Americana music scene today, and their performance is sure to be unforgettable. So bring your family and experience this talented team of musicians. March 14th, Shane Prophet will perform... Country singer-songwriter Shane Prophet went from punching the clock for the City of Columbia to rocking sold-out crowds at the Ryman and standing ovations at the Grand Ole Opry. Bring your family for a hometown celebration of Shane and his music. Closing the series on April 18th is John Oates. John Oates, member of the Rock and Roll Music Hall of Fame and best-selling singer-songwriter, will share an acoustic evening of songs and stories. Bring the family and experience John's world-renowned talent. Tickets go on sale online August 21st at 9 a.m. You can get them by going to www.columbiastate.edu forward slash performance series. Tickets for each performance are $35, which includes all fees. Individuals may also contact the performance series ticket line at 931-540-2879, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., On Performance Nights, the box office opens at 6 in the Kenneth and Ramona Cherry Theater, located in the Wayman L. Hickman Building on the Columbia campus. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. and all shows begin at 7 p.m. The Columbia campus is located at 1665 Hampshire Pike in Columbia. For more information, visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash performance series. Join the City of Columbia and Columbia Fire and Rescue as they conduct their annual 9-11 Memorial Ceremony. Located at Firefighters Park at 1000 South Garden Street at 8 a.m. on Monday, September 11th, local leaders will honor the brave men and women of emergency services. The public is invited to attend. Columbia State Community College's prior art gallery will feature the exhibition Anna Marie Pavlik, Traces of Our National Parks. The exhibition, which includes prints inspired by various national parks, will be open to the public from August 16th until September 22nd. With the spirit of an explorer, Anna Marie spends time at our national parks, said Lisa Hoffman, prior art gallery curator. Courageously venturing alone, either by foot or canoe, she sojourns with nature even at times when it is odds with her. In one park, the staff had labeled her a lost artist when she was unable to paddle back to her campsite, and she had paddled dangerously close to Mexico all night. Marie Pavlik, a printmaker from Frankfort, Kentucky, will feature about 30 beautiful prints she created from her work as an artist-in-residence at various national parks. She has a bachelor's degree in both mechanical engineering and studio arts, and holds a patent for a wire-gripping device from her time at 3M Corporation. Pavlik became more involved with art and joined Flatbed Press in Austin, Texas. Through intricate printmaking, she addresses her concern for the survival of nature, natural areas, and humanity's relationship with the natural environment. Pavlik has been featured in various exhibitions, public collections, and publications, as well as holds affiliations with more than 10 galleries. Growing concern for the survival of natural areas and the need I perceive in people to understand the relationship to the environment have encouraged me to work with nature-related themes, Pavlik stated in her artist statement. My images are focused on revealing and presenting how nature has functioned. I extract the concepts which I visually explore from my observations of natural sites, science publications, and maps." By creating these works, I hope to direct the viewer's attention to the irreplaceable value, sublime beauty, and mystery found within our natural environment. The exhibition is free and open to the public. The Prior Art Gallery is in the Wayman L. Hickman Building on the Columbia campus. The opening reception, which is also free and open to the public, will be August 31st from 5 to 7 p.m. Pavlik will be in attendance as a special guest and speaker at the reception. For additional information about the exhibition, visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash prior gallery. The Murray County Fair will return on Thursday, August 31st and will run through Monday, September 4th. All the family fun and excitement you love will soon be back. This year, the fair festivities begins with a rodeo taking place on Thursday of Fair Week. Several other popular events will be happening like the Junk car jump and run, and the Saturday motocross races. In addition to the back arena fun, all your favorite animal shows and exhibitor competitions are back this year, too. The Kids Zone will see a variety of live exotic animals and science shows that will amaze kids of every age. For more information on the fair and updates, visit www.murraycountyfair.com. Join Marie Alliance for a legislative lunch featuring Congressman Andy Ogles for a stimulating discussion around the current issues facing our business community and nation. This exclusive event offers the opportunity for you to engage with one of our federal representatives and gain valuable insights into current legislative matters. You may submit questions in advance by emailing them to nperry, that's N-P-E-R-R-Y at com. The event will take place on August 15th from 1130 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Puckett's in downtown Columbia, located at 15 Public Square. The cost is $25 for Murray Alliance members and $30 for non-members. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. James Warren Jim Thomas, 89, a retired employee of the Department of Justice and a resident of Columbia, died Sunday, August 6th at NHC Murray Regional Transitional Care. Funeral services will be conducted on Friday at 11 a.m. at Southgate Church of Christ. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 3 to 7 p.m. at the church. A private family burial will be in Moro Cemetery. Mrs. Betty Ruth Adams Bigsby, 85, a retired waitress for Western Sizzlin and a resident of Columbia, died Friday, August 4th at Murray Regional Medical Center. A graveside service for Mrs. Bigsby will be conducted on Saturday, August 12th at 11 a.m. at Rose Hill Cemetery. Mr. George Gilbert Brazelton, 91, a retired district manager for Life Insurance Company of Georgia, died Monday, August 7th at his residence in Columbia, Funeral services for Mr. Brazelton will be conducted on Saturday, August 12th at 12 p.m. at Graymere Church of Christ. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Saturday from 10 a.m. until service time at the church. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. <music>
1: When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family. What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy. We made it easier.
0: Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have partly cloudy skies today with a high of around 83 degrees. Winds will be light and variable. Tonight, we can expect partly cloudy skies and a low of 69 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to southern Middle Tennessee today.
2: Three, two, one. Family first.
0: Family <laughs> first. For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association. Funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Gas prices across Tennessee rose again for the third consecutive week, climbing eight cents on average over last week. The Tennessee gas price average is now $3.46, which is 36 cents more expensive than one month ago, but 17 cents less Than one year ago, we're still experiencing quite a bit of volatility in pump prices across the state. However, we are starting to see signs of stabilization in our state gas price average. Overnight, the state gas price average fell a penny, said Megan Cooper, spokeswoman for AAA, the auto club group. We're also seeing improvements in refinery operations, allowing gasoline stocks to increase. Gasoline demand is also likely to decline as students head back to school, signaling the end of the busy summer driving season. Drivers should still expect to see fluctuations in pump prices this week, and barring any major shifts in market fundamentals, we could see gas prices across the state begin to normalize, she said. Here's some quick facts. 71% of Tennessee gas stations have prices below $3.50. The lowest 10% of pump prices are $3.25 for regular unleaded. The highest 10%, $3.74 for regular unleaded. Tennessee is the sixth least expensive market In the nation. It was a cold winter night in 1985 when Father Charles Strobel invited the unhoused people sleeping in the church parking lot outside his parish. That act was the seed that one of Nashville's most well known shelters, Room in the Inn, grew from. Strobel died over the weekend at the age of 80. Over the past 36 years, I've used many images to describe the importance of Room in the Inn, Strobel said. I've described the program as a sanctuary from the violence of the streets or Ellis Island for urban refugees. Thousands of people have found shelter through Room in the End and have accessed workforce training and even permanent housing help through its programming. Today, I join my fellow Nashvillians in mourning the passing of Father Charles Strobel, said Mayor John Cooper of Nashville, His lifelong advocacy for the poor and homeless was a shining example to all of us of how to lift up those less fortunate than us, he said. Musician and songwriter Kix Brooks will tell you he's rarely at a loss for words, but a recent phone call from Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame executive director Mark Ford with news that Brooks would become one of the Hall of Fame's newest inductees silenced him. I could barely talk and say thank you when Mark called, Brooks said, Thursday during a press conference announcing the 2023 class. I literally could not speak. That has never happened to me in my entire life. I was stunned, and I'm still stunned. This is an honor of honors for me, he said. Brooks joins fellow artist nominee Keith Urban and songwriters Casey Bethard, David Lee Murphy, and Rafe Van Hoy as the Hall's class of 2023. This group is responsible for penning such hits as Ten Rounds with Jose Cuervo, written by Bethard and recorded by Tracy Bird, Living and Fast Forward, written by David Lee Murphy and recorded by Kenny Chesney, Golden Ring, written by Ray Van Hoy and recorded by George Jones and Tammy Wynette, But for the Grace of God, written and recorded by Keith Urban and Brand New Man, written and recorded by Kix Brooks. While several of the inductees have songs and backstories in common, the one thing all five of them share is the significance of getting the call. It was a shock to get the call to find out I was nominated, Urban said. It was surreal. It was beautiful because I was at the sound, sound stage just a block away from here and I said to Mark it was a perfect place to be because I was standing at the back of sound stage when I got the call looking across at where Shoney's Inn used to be on Demumbrian, which was where I stayed when I first came to Nashville in 1989, he said. Bethard said he assumed Ford was calling to say he didn't make the cut from the initial bank of nominees. I was in a writing room and I said I've got to step out and take this call, he said. I thought it'd be a short call. I thought, hey, Mark, let's just get this over with. It's okay. What a great group of guys. I don't feel worthy anyway, so let's just get this over with. Murphy said, for most songwriters, getting the call is one of those 10 feet off the ground moments. I've never, I'll never forget when I got the call, he said. Van Hoy relayed the significance of the moment by telling the group about something special that happened as he drove in for the inductee announcement. My phone, without me touching it or anything, for some reason just started playing till I get it right by Tammy Wynette, which might have been recorded in this room, he said. It was like my buddies Red Lane and Harry Henley going, hey, buddy, welcome. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee today. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. And now our final story. The next Mega Millions drawing will happen tonight, August 8th, which will flirt with the game's record jackpot of $1.537 billion, won in South Carolina back in 2018. With enthusiastic players across the country, many of whom are newcomers to the game, it's likely that we'll hit a new record tonight. If you win, you get to take home $757.2 million in cash. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee.